Good evening, everyone. Um, tonight's reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, um, chapter 8, and reading from verse 18. It's only um, a few verses, a few short verses. And Jeremiah weeps um, for sinful Judah. My grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people that can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people ask? Is their king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord. The harvest is finished and the summer is gone, the people cry, yet we are not saved. I hurt with the hurt of my people and I mourn and I'm overcome with grief. Is there no medicine in Gilead? Is there no physician here? Why is there no healing for the wounds of my people? Tonight, um, if you're here last week, we're following on um, from that evening where we looked at um, people that were overseas on mission um, over the last year and Mark interviewed them and so on and so forth. I wasn't here, so I'm, I'm thinking about what I heard. And, and we're following on this evening, and I'm bringing it closer to home. And we're going to look at here in Ireland. Mark shared these words from John Piper last Sunday evening. Christians don't live to escape unbelievers. We live to reach unbelievers across the ocean and across the street. Tonight, we're looking at across the street, but it can be maybe a little bit away across the street. So let's turn um, tonight's passage. As I said, at 5.30, I'm, I'm going to jump about quite a bit tonight, so you need to stay with me, okay? You need to stay with me. God jump back and forward in and out of stories and, and scripture. In tonight's passage, um, Israel, the people of God have wandered far away from God. They've been led away by false priests and by false prophets, and they didn't help themselves very much either. And, and the, the country, in a sense, the nation is spiritually is in a mess. And, and Jeremiah is sent by God um, as his spokesperson. And for 40 years, he called the people to repent, to turn around and to, to come back to their God. If they don't do that, disaster will come upon them. And for 40 years, they don't listen. And the passage, them short verses that I read, is full of emotion as, as Jeremiah sees the people of God reject their Savior, their Redeemer, and their provider. And he and them actually see that the time is running out. Time's running out for them. The harvest is finished. The summer is gone, the people cried. Yet we are not saved. A people who have wandered far away from their God. A people, in a sense, who are godly by label only and not by lifestyle. You know, we live in a society today that's very quickly becoming secular. A society, you could say, that our label says we're something, but our actions say we're something else. In many places, you know, churches are really struggling they're struggling to keep their doors open. There's many places the doors are actually closing and are shut. 
all our churches are batting down the hatches and forgetting what's going on out there and just sort of looking after themselves. So where do we find ourselves tonight? Where do we find ourselves in Ireland, north or south, in relation to where Jeremiah is set in to preach? Are we in Ireland, north and south, such as Jeremiah found himself in? This week, told you I'm going to jump about, this week I was getting my hair cut and I went into um, a local barber's and there was two elderly men getting their hair cut. Um, There's only two men and me waiting and there was two ladies cutting hair. And I suppose the younger generation, you again, and you'd start playing on your phone or that, but I hadn't got my glasses with me, so I couldn't see my phone. So I just listened to what was going on around me. And I listened to conversations, and I hope there's none of them here tonight. Anyway, I listened to conversation, and it was very interesting. There was one of the men was talking to the lady, and he shared, you know, how, and, you know, several years ago that he got saved, and how he spent his week going to different church things. And he was talking all about that, how it was good to get out of the house and so on and so forth. It was very interesting. But then he went on in the conversation to say, you know, but numbers are falling in the church. And, you know, and it's the same everywhere. It's the same everywhere. Numbers in church are falling. I was going, well, I'm not so sure, but I'll keep my mouth shut. I'll just listen on the conversation. And, you know, people aren't interested in church anymore. They're not interested and faith anymore. And for you young people, he said, you know, and young people aren't interested in the prayer meeting anymore. So that was one conversation. The other conversation, well, they were talking about the best pub there was in the area and where the best crack could be found and which particular evening and which one they would go to and so on. So there's these two conversations going on and they're actually only, you know, five feet apart. They're beside one another, but they're not listening to one another or they're not engaging to one another. I'm sort of sitting in the middle listening to it all. And I wonder, is that a picture of society and the church today? We actually sit quite close together, but we don't really engage with one another and we don't listen to one another. Is that something like the church And when I talk about the church, I talk about the the wider church. And some of you will know, um, about three years ago, I left my my role here as heading up outreach in in Willowfield and and moved um, to work mainly with New Wine Ireland. And I have a great title, Leadership and Mission Coordinator. And uh, for those that maybe aren't aware of New Wine and and what we do, um, and think we're maybe some new shop down the town or something, that you get alcohol at. Um, we're a charity or an organization and, and, and with a strap line. And the strap line is that, we, that the local church is the hope for the nation. That the local church is the hope for the nation. And what we mean by that is like in every town in Ireland there's a church. Most towns there's a lot more than one and every village there's probably a church might still be open but there's a church there and actually, if you go out into the country, for those of you that never actually go outside Belfast, you know, there's townlands and things like that. And you'll find churches all over the place. No houses about, but you'll find a church. They're all over the place. And you see, no matter what our politicians are doing, 
or not doing, or what happens with Brexit or not Brexit, whether a hard border, soft border, no border, I don't know what sort of a border. The local church, those who are called by God to carry the kingdom of God and, and proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, we're the real hope of the nation. You know, because the solution to our problems where it's, you know, personal or, or in society or politically, the solution only truly can be found in Christ. Because he is the one that when he comes into our lives, he changes us and he transforms us. He is the one that brings about change. So when you wine, in whatever way we can, we, we try to enable and help the church in fulfilling their call to make disciples of all nations. You know, we run, as David's already said, there's a prayer ministry. We run training days on prayer, on worship, on evangelism, on hearing God's voice. We, we do teaching on the Holy Spirit. We do training on evangelism and mission. We, we run a, a two-year evangelism, evangelistic, evangelism, evangelism course for evangelists. That's the way. And um, there's actually leaflets about. There's a table at the back that we everything on it. You know, 24 have completed that course and they're nearly all involved in some sort of ministry and with nine currently on it. We hold retreats for church leaders. And of course, um, we have our summer conference every year in Sligo where over 2,000 people this year from all over Ireland come together. Um, and you can see all that on our website. And we hold things like worship rooms. We have worship rooms here tomorrow night. Um, and, and my role within all that um, is sort of twofold. One is working with church leaders, encouraging them to look beyond their walls um, to the mission field that's out there, to the mission field that never comes through their doors on a Sunday or maybe any other day of the week. And, and the challenge there, how do we change our church from being a place for, you know, as a social club where it meets our wants and our needs? You know, our church should never be that, that meets my wants and my needs. How, how do we change it from that into a lifeboat station for saving the lost? How do we change that? That's no mean task. And then the second part of my job is actually very closely connected to that, is doing mission in this island, north, south, east, and west. I have a great job. I really have. You know, I trained as a church army evangelist, and with new wine, I get the opportunity, I suppose, to do what I was trained um, to do. And as I go up and, down the ch up and down the country, you know, as I said, there's churches in basically every town and village. But the truth is, they're not that great at doing mission. They're not that great at doing mission. And even our newer churches, these new churches that are springing up all over the place, there's a lot of them also aren't very good at doing mission. See, this evening, I don't believe we're in the place that Jeremiah found himself in. We're not in that place where we might lament about what we see around us, but we're not in that place where Jeremiah's at because spiritually speaking, the summer is not over. The harvest is not 
finished. And actually, people are being saved. Back to my story at the barbers. While the folks that were discussing about the best pub moved on to talk about tattoos. The other wee man, you know, who in one sense was in this hopeless place of hopelessness about the spiritual future of the next generation. He asked the lady, cutting his hair, was she saved? Are you saved, dear? I'm not going to say any more about where the conversation went from that. But you know, he was polite. And he asked her, was it okay to talk about that? And you see, while he was in a, this state of despair looking at the world around him and the lack of people of faith and the people coming to church, his desire was still to share Jesus. His desire was still, and I had to admire him for that. You know, we read later on in the story of Jeremiah that even though for Jeremiah, you know, the message brought him made him so unpopular. He was imprisoned. He was thrown down a well. You know, it didn't go well for him. But we read later on, even with all that happening, you know, it was Jeremiah, no friends. He just had nobody. But he says that, but in Jeremiah 20, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, the word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I just can't do it. All this stuff's coming at him. Nobody likes him. Nobody listens to him. But he can't stop speaking about God. Why was that? Well, we discovered it at the very beginning of Jeremiah, the very beginning of the story of Jeremiah in chapter 1. We read, The Lord, give me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, and others you must build up and plant. What a commissioning. What a commissioning. The Lord came and, and touched Jeremiah. He spoke words of authority over him and a spirit come upon him. Folks, as, as individuals, as we as individuals, as churches, as church leaders, when we encounter God, when the Holy Spirit comes and infills our lives and stirs our hearts, he stirs them and turns them to mission. Turns them to mission. Because that's what's on the heart of God. David prayed earlier on. Um, Mark shared last week from Bob Price once prayed, Lord, uh, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. The lost breaks the heart of God. 
so much so that he left heaven and he came to this earth in the person of Jesus and he was tortured and he, and he died on a tree. That's the heart of God. I'm totally convinced if we say that we're open to God and we say, God, come by your Holy Spirit and fill me. It's not about feeling good here. If we really let God impact our lives, it leads to mission. It leads to mission because that's the heart of God. It leads to stepping outside of our comfort zone, even possibly leaving all that is familiar and going someplace else. Whether that's short-term or maybe long-term. Maybe it means leaving and never coming back. You know, I found as I've traveled around the country, there's increasing interest in, in churches impacting the community with the gospel. I do believe, and I know it's said many times, but I believe God is moving in this island of ours. As churches encounter God, the Holy Spirit, they're starting to look beyond their walls. You know, I spent the last couple of weeks, uh, as did some people here from Willowfield, involved in a mission over in the west of Ireland. A mission working in and from the rural church. Now, your church, there's a good crowd here tonight. I, I, I don't know how many, but you go to some churches and there's, there's 10 there on a Sunday morning or there's 20 there. You get away from here, away from the big places. There's churches all over this land and there's a small group of people come together faithfully every Sunday. You know, and I've only seen and heard some of the things that's going on. But what I do know over the last 15, 16 days, that God has been moving and changing and transforming lives. You know, at one youth event, not Saturday night, but I think the Saturday night before, 25 young people said yes to Jesus. This is in rural Ireland, in the West. This is across the border. 25 young people in a rural church saying yes to Jesus. One church minister said, people are being led to the Lord in pubs, cafes, and halls. He didn't say anything about the church. This is what he said to me. This is what he wrote. People are being led to the Lord in pubs, cafes, and halls. The mission has shown people that when the church go beyond the walls, people respond. God's out there. God's at work. Then someone else, another church leader said, it's so hard to quantify, but it was amazing to see the people who attended the healing service and their openness to prayer ministry. One man's knee was healed. And I know others were very deeply touched by God. You know, I had the opportunity, not last Sunday, the Sunday before, to speak at a livestock market. Now, for you city people, you maybe don't know what that is. It's a place where they sell animals. It's a smelly place. It's a mucky place. It's not a very warm place. And, you know, there's this big ring where the cattle and that come into, and you stand up in this sort of podium thing. And, you know, they do the auctioneer and stuff. Anybody from the country, you'll know that. And, and, and there's these, like, wooden seats around it. And I got the opportunity to speak. That was the first time for everything, and that was the first time. And even in that environment, on a wet Sunday afternoon in a smelly place, 
people said yes to Jesus. People said yes to Jesus. I've been up, as I said, up and down the country, and what I've discovered is this. People are actually interested in Jesus. People are interested in Jesus. They're maybe not that interested at the way that we present him at times and how we close our doors and close our lives to their brokenness and their messiness. And, and of course, as a mission field is beyond the walls, there's also a mission field within the walls. You know, the church has a lot of people hungry for the gospel. We just need to present it in a way that they understand with the heart of compassion and love and, and let God by his Holy Spirit move and speak. You know, so often in our land, when we talk, start to, a conversation with those who don't know Jesus, we begin with sin. We begin with the, the negative. Do you know that you're a sinner? Maybe, maybe it's our Northern Iron bluntness. We just tell it as it is. We say it as it is. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe it's arrogance and sometimes I don't know. Yet we're told, aren't we, that God so loved the world. It began with love. You know, if we begin with love rather than sin, compassion rather than condemnation, trusting God by His Holy Spirit to speak in and through us, amazing things actually happen. It's not that people haven't sinned in their lives. They have. But God began with love. You know, over the last couple of years, I've led mission teams in different churches um, all over the place. And just before the summer, just before our Sligo conference, I led a mission in a rural, two rural churches, one, one, two parishes under the one rector. And they were a reasonably good congregation on a Sunday morning for, for, the country, for a country church. But there's virtually no Christians in the congregation. The mission team... Usually when I, when I go to do a mission with a church, I bring some people with me, but I try to use a mission team that's there, and that means you're leaving something behind. Well, the mission team was me, the rector, and his wife. That was it. That's what we had. Thankfully, with the Lord. You know, in five days, in five days, nearly 30 people said yes to Jesus committing their lives to follow him. You know, we convert no one. You know, it's God who converts people. We convert no one, but we have our part to play. We, have our, we are to bring Jesus, in a sense, to them by our lives, by our words, and by our actions. And I wonder tonight I wonder tonight how many more churches like those that I just shared about are out there across Ireland I wonder how many towns there is in Ireland I wonder how many villages there is in Ireland I wonder how many townlands there is in Ireland that's got a church 
How many are out there that... just need some encouragement and some help. Just need someone um, to go to them. You know, the trend today is to leave what is classed as the dead church and join the lively or the fruitful one. The one where there's a good, sound biblical teaching there's great worship and we have good friends. Now, at times that may be right. Maybe get in trouble for saying this. At times that may be right. and times that is right. But I wonder, do we who have plenty, plenty in resources, plenty in finance, plenty in living faith, should we not maybe turn a little bit more to our brothers and sisters in need. And rather dismiss them for their, for their poor numbers or the, or the type of worship that they have that we, we don't like. I wonder, for some of us, should we be prepared to step into the middle of that and not only share Jesus, but share who we are. I wonder what an impact that might have in the church across the island. I wonder what difference it would make. You know, as I said, um, there's some folks from Willowfield um, have took a week out of their time, and went um, to the west of Ireland. There's at least two of them here tonight, anyway. Um, I'm going to ask one to come up. Bill. <clears throat> Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm all right. A bit nervous. I'm all right. <laughs> Bill, and there's Roger's there, too. Hi, Roger. Right. Bill and Roger um, left two weeks ago on a Saturday, got on a bus, and went to Calvin now. Figure out the bus route to Calvin, there you go. But they got there, and they went, they were going on a, a mission for a week. And the only person they knew on the team was each other. And they actually didn't know each other that well. The time they got to Calvin and the bus, they did, because it's a long run. How many hours? Two hours. Two hours. And um, they went into an environment where they really didn't know anybody and had no real idea what they were going to do. Okay? Sort of like stepping outside your comfort zone. I give them three questions. I'm not going to do what David does. I'm actually going to ask you the questions. That's all right. So that's all right. Okay. What made you decide to go on the mission? Well, I think Jesus is in my heart. Mm. And I want to share him with anyone who will listen to me. And Ireland's a place where we really need to go out there and talk to people who are the lost mm. and the forgotten. And there's a generation out there who do not know Jesus. Mm. About 75%. And our churches do not have young people in them mm. because of that. So that's why I wanted to go. Right. Great. What was the most difficult part? <laughs> 
the most difficult part was the very next morning when I realized that I was going to have to do this and the usual things come. Was I going to find the right words? Was this going to work? And when I handed it over to God, it did because the doors opened and the words came and we shared Jesus with many, many people in that time. We were welcomed with open arms and many, many people wanted to know about God. Tell me this, this question isn't here. Had you ever done anything like this before? No, this was <laughs> totally outside my comfort zone. I've never done this before in my life. What was the highlight of? What was the highlight was, of the week? It was going where the young people were, into the pubs, around the streets, and meeting people who were young, who wanted to know about what life was all about, asking questions, knowing that there was something there, but they didn't know what it was. And the highlight for me was that just before closing time, these young people said, well, what do you think about God? And we told them. So we were able to tell them what we thought what our faith was, and they responded, and we left them with the information about why mm. Jesus. Mm. And I think that's where those people are. Mm. And I think with the churches doing that, and we were welcomed by all the churches, that would make the difference. Thank you, Bill, thank you. Give this man a clap. Give him a Roger's sitting down there, and uh, I, I give Roger a lift home, and um, uh, I had a good chat with him on the way home from Sligo last Saturday, and, and Roger was talking, and asked Roger, you know, why he went on the mission. He said, well, he had heard, I don't think it was me talking, but somebody talking about me, how he'd went on the mission, and it totally changed his life, and I, and I was really excited about it. And I says, Roger, I don't think I ever said I was excited about it. I said it changed my life. And these guys stepped out of their comfort zone. And it's scary. It's frightening. But you actually see God at work. You actually see God at work. You know, Willowfield. Willowfield is a mission church. We've seen that last Sunday. Right down through the years, mission has been the center of this church, ascending church. But I wonder tonight, are there those here tonight and God is calling you to serve beyond here? God is calling you to serve beyond this place. Maybe it's this church or whatever church you belong to. Maybe it's beyond Belfast. Maybe it's Cork, Galway, Sligo, Cavan. Whether that be short term or long term. Do you sense that God is saying something to you tonight? Now, at this space and this time. Is God calling you beyond where you're at now? You see, and, and the thing is, if you're scared, it's probably a very good sign that the Lord is calling you. If you say, oh, I'm not so sure about that. Oh, that's a good chance. That's the Lord. The Lord takes us out of our comfort zones. But you see what he done with Jeremiah. He said, look, I'm with you. I'm with you. I will protect you. I will watch over you. I will give you the words 
to say. So I wonder tonight, you know, as we're going to go into a time of worship shortly, is God calling you someplace? I, I remember this man on the front row here. Um, I, I wasn't a Christian very long. And he asked me, you'd hardly believe this, I used to be a youth worker. See? Um, on my old days. And, I, and he asked me what I head up the youth work or help head up the youth work in the church in Kilkeel. And I, I give the really good answer. I said, I'll go and pray about it. It's the right answer to give. Go and pray about it. And I, I genuinely went and prayed about it. I did that. I really went and prayed about it. And I come back a week later, and he asked me, how did I get on? I said, I prayed about it. I says, but you know, I haven't heard anything from the Lord. And I says, well, that means the Lord didn't say no then. And actually, actually, at that particular time, in that particular space, would say it was the right thing to do. It was about three years. And it was the right place to be at the right time. So I wonder, are there some here that the Lord is calling someplace? It could be the church down the road, like, I don't know. Or if you feel this is, you know, this is where the Lord has you at this time. You're not going to get off tonight. You're not going to go off that easy. You'll see in your seat, David's already said about these, everybody should have one of them in their seat. If you haven't it, if you can't see it, you must be sitting on it. So it's there, right? And as David said, with this mad vision to, with, um, to get one into everybody's hand in Ireland. Um, and I have no intentions of walking around Ireland. Um, but that's, that's a vision that's there. But you know, we can start here tonight. See, the idea is that you take this little booklet and you just give it to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Pretty simple, really. You don't even have to say anything. You just have to give it to them. Or maybe it's a handbag, you could just drop it into it when they're not looking. I, I don't know. Or you could, you know, you, you put, leave it on the bus or on the, the dentist's surgery or whatever it is. I'm not asking you to say anything. I'm just asking you to give it to somebody who doesn't know Jesus. That's all I'm asking you to do. And, and the reason for that is, the reason for that is, and this is sort of, you know, God's Word is alive and active. God's Word is alive. God's Word is the power to change and transform lives. That's all in Scripture. If you want it, I'll give it to you later. It fulfills the Great Commission because we're all to go and tell somebody. So here's a way of telling. It's actually a really easy way to do it. You don't have to open your mouth. You just go there. And you know, after all of what I've said tonight, after all of what I've said, the reality is that God tells his story better than any of us. God tells his story better than anyone else. God's word is alive and active and it changes and transforms lives. People need to hear and need to read the offer that, that God has given each and every one of us. 
when he died on the cross for us. So, I'm reckoning we're about, we're over half full here tonight, so um, there should be a lot of empty seats with that on it before I go. I'll put a challenge out, actually. The last time I'd done this in the church, I'd done this in the church, and I put one out in every seat, and the church wasn't even half full. Everyone went off every seat, and I give out another box, which is 300 in them. People come, and I, I want four or five to take me. I want six or seven. So there's a challenge tonight now. Last time I'd done this in the church, a few weeks back, I said, look, here they are. And people come, and we've already given about 25,000 away, so how many is that off? Off. Six million, seven hundred thousand, whatever. Okay. Can I encourage you to take it away and give it to someone? And pray that God would use His Word to change and transform their lives. Let's stand. Can I ask the worship group to come up? Let's just be, be still for a few moments. Let's be still and hear. Let's hear that still, small voice from God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Just fall in this place. Lord, come and stir our hearts, Lord. What's on yours? Come, Lord. Amen. Lord, I pray um, for those tonight that in a sense feel something and I'm wondering, can I do that? Is that possible? What does it mean for family? What does it mean for finance? Lord, I thank you. Lord, when you call that you provide. Lord, not what we want. But Lord, what we need. Lord, would you raise up your church on this island? Lord, would each of us who are called by you, who love you, who say that you are our Lord and Savior, Lord, right across this island and all the different churches. Holy Spirit, come and enable us to be the good news. And Lord, as we stand here tonight, we particularly pray for our brothers and sisters and, and little churches all over the place who are really struggling. Lord, would you provide what they need to be all that you have called them to be? And Lord, if that means some of us 
who have plenty given to those that have little. Lord, stir our hearts to do that. Lord, so we would see your kingdom come. Lord, we would see your will be done. Lord, in this land. Lord, in our generation. We pray. Amen. Let's worship together.